Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, my guest is Nancy O'Brien. As part of Nancy's recovery from serious illness two decades ago, she found hope and healing in therapeutic yoga. Years on, she was able to train as a yoga teacher and is now among the first contingent of teachers to be certified as a yoga therapist. She is committed to bringing the benefits of mind-body practices to her students and her colleagues in medical settings, such as New York's Hospital for Special Surgery, where she offers classes, webinars, and videos. She also specializes in making therapeutic yoga accessible to those struggling with different diagnoses, pain, and chronic illnesses like long COVID. She trains yoga teachers and yoga therapists in yoga for arthritis, chronic pain, and teaches Integral Yoga Institute's biweekly classes for those conditions. Nancy, welcome to SpondyCast. Thank, Thank you, you for so joining much, us. Jill. I'm so it's happy a- to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled because I know there's uh, so many things we can all do for our own journey that, uh, and as you and I had talked about, I incorporate yoga into my own. So I just want to kind of kick off with, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into teaching yoga and working on meditation for uh, spondyloarthritis and other chronic illnesses. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love being with the spondylitis uh, community um, here in New York at Hospital for Special Surgery. There are support groups and uh, social workers and therapeutic yoga classes where we frequently deal with all of the various uh, conditions under the umbrella of spondylitis. And uh, I find yoga and meditation just to be so beneficial. I um, came to yoga because of a medical industrial complex interaction that blew up two decades ago. I was in a coma for about a month and have... um, lots of residual issues that I live with to this day, chronic pain and brain fog and, you know, fatigue. And, and so at that point, um, a physical therapist uh, pointed me to a yoga class. And from then on, I've realized how much power and hope Um, the practice of yoga in all of its different manifestations is something that just gives me such support and strength. And, and I think most important that sense of having the power to make a difference in how I'm feeling and how I'm, I'm thinking and about, you know, the challenges that I, that I deal with. I'm thrilled to be able to share this. My, my intention at that point was just to, you know, bring uh, the, the hope and health of yoga into healthcare settings. And that over the last 20 years has really come to fruition in many, many ways. I love that you were able to manifest it. Uh, I want to get into uh, some discussion on meditation, but first meditation is a component of yoga and do you see that there are some common 
uh, misconceptions about yoga and the spondylitis community? I'd really be interested to hear your take on this. I'll start, but okay. you know, people people hear yoga and um, they think pretzel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not as much in the last, say, ten years when you have people in the medical community and doctors, nurses, physical therapists who've actually experienced yoga and know that a lot of it is about meeting yourself exactly where you are at this moment with compassion and choosing movement or breathing practices or meditation practices or affirmations or any part of the philosophy that supports you in that moment. Um, so I think the misconceptions are that you're going to be asked to, you know, put your leg behind your head or that you, and this happens, that you'll be in a class where a teacher or the others around you don't really understand your challenges. And, um, so now yoga through the International Association of Yoga Therapists and organizations like Yoga for Arthritis, um, both of which I highly recommend for all of you to explore. Um, It trains teachers to be able to tailor yoga's movements and philosophy to people with spondylitis. Yeah. And from, I, I, I think that's so important. And I know, so I practice yoga. I'm a, I'm a hot yoga person, probably four or five days a week. Yeah, and I, I was always regular yoga, and I kind of got hooked a few months ago uh, and shifted my practice a little bit. But you know, I think one of the things, right? Yoga is very humbling, especially when you do have something going on. But I kind of live by a few rules. One is, I'm only a practicer; I'm not a teacher. But the idea of everyone comes to the mat for a different reason. and I learned many years ago, I had a, a yoga teacher who always used to look at us at the beginning of class and she, she'd say, you walked through the door, now you check your ego. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and one of the other pieces of advice I've, I've, I've gotten, and it's not advice, it's more instruction from one of my yoga teachers is, uh, she always talks about it doesn't matter how far you go, you still get the same benefits. Absolutely. And that I think is important because I do think there's so many people suffering uh, that you don't want to feel like you have to get in there and get your ankle behind your head or get a complete 90 degree angle. Uh, I think it's, it's what works for each of us. And it's that meeting your body where it is and some of that, and this might be a good segue to mindfulness and meditation, uh, because in yoga to get the benefits, you can probably talk more to this, but you have to uh, you have to be present with what's going mm-hmm. on in in your mm-hmm. right. It's the meeting of the mind and the body. So, how do you in, integrate mindfulness and meditation into the classes? I know meditation's been a focus for you recently. Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, thanks for sharing your own uh, hot yoga <laughs> story. That's amazing. Um, also amazing would be someone who would say, and I'm sure people who are listening to this are in this uh, 
category someone who would say i'm i really love deep relaxation which is yes. a more restorative yoga position you know and practice and it gets to the heart of yoga for for the people who for whom it uh, it resonates as much as the hot yoga does for you you know and as you say you, the benefit is the same like in in twists which um I highly recommend for those who are able to do it, supported reclining twists in bed for fatigue, you know, so you're in bed and you can just maybe um, bend your knees and lower them to one side and look away from the knees and just that brings such supported benefit. And the whole idea about, um, about twists in yoga, whether you're reclining or seated or standing is exploration exploring your edge so you go to your edge not beyond it you you hang out there and everyone else if you're in a class or everyone else who's experiencing this has an edge and so the benefit is the same because you're exploring that edge you're thinking oh can i breathe can i move can i just like dive into this edge for a moment and just be with it so you have the freedom to choose what to do with it and everyone else in the yoga practice is doing the same thing with that edge and a twist. So uh, the way that we integrate the mindfulness and meditation into the classes, both the yoga for arthritis classes at Integral Yoga here that are available on Zoom, and also um, the Hospital for Special Surgery therapeutic classes, and you know the the support groups, the spondylitis support groups that I that I work with. It's all about being compassionate. For yourself and then through the yoga practices being having the freedom and the power to choose am i going to move am i going to breathe am i going to stand up is that going to help am i going to meditate for a little bit you know so you have the freedom and the power to choose practices that chances are you're going to feel the benefit of and that's kind of what keeps people coming back again and again to meditation and um, restorative practices and yoga, mindfulness practices, because you really do feel the benefit and you enjoy it. It feels good. Yeah. It's, I don't want to I don't want to cut down, you know, exercise and go into the gym, but it's a little easier to do yoga than it is to go to the gym. And the benefits are, you know, comparable, if, if not depending on the situation, you know, really, really beneficial. Yeah. And I love the way you talk about the edge. I think of it. I think of us as human beings, as a system, as we're systems, as human beings, the, the beauty in a system is generally a system is mostly of our own mind, but the edge or the boundary of a system is where the creativity and the growth and the power occurs. And that's what I love when you talk about the edge uh, in yoga. It's it's amazing. And when you get into the meditative integration, how does that help with either anxiety in the present moment or how we deal with anxiety outside of the, the yoga uh, practice? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, mm -hmm. right, anxiety and stress come in spades for people with a chronic illness. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to share a practice with you right off the bat because it's the best answer to this question. 
but I, and so remind me that that's where I want to go, but I wanted to just make a comment on what you said before about going to the mat. I think one of the big uh, advantages of yoga for the spondylitis community is that you don't have to go to the mat. You can go to the bed. You can go to the pool. You can go to the, the park. You can go to your most comfortable chair, you know, or you can stand because I know that there are challenges in terms of positioning and, you know, strength and especially with fatigue. So I just want the spondylitis community to understand that uh, yoga accommodates your needs and, and wants to start where you are most comfortable, not in pain. So if you want to try meditating and it says sit with a straight spine and, you know, da, 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 no, you have special, uh, this special dispensation to lay down if you want to, or, or float in a pool, do whatever's comfortable for you so that the body is able to kind of step aside so that the meditation can occur, not distracted by pain and discomfort, unnecessary pain and discomfort. I know we all live with pain and discomfort, but you don't want to aggravate it by making yourself sit when you don't have to. That's number one. So what was I going to get to, Jill? Oh, you were going to get to the practice, but I want to say what a great practice that is because we we talked in another, uh, with Sandra Voss, who you know, we talked in another episode, she's amazing, about Mm. uh, some people say, well, I can't do yoga. And that's where I think we get to the, you know, putting your head, your ankle behind your head. But yoga Mm -hmm. is something you can, and meditation are things you can do uh, anywhere, really. I lay in bed and meditate most mornings. (laughs) Uh, But talk Um, to me about practice. So I'm going to share with you, this is about anxiety and fear. And it's a wonderful combination of the three forces in yoga that are combined. That's what the word means, yoking these three forces. The mind, because of an intention the body, using it, and the breath. So when we combine all three of these things anytime, whether we're brushing our teeth and taking a deep breath or taking a walk and having it be a walking meditation, it, it, it once you combine the breath with the movement and have an intention, those three things, it becomes yoga. So this is a perfect example of that, dealing with anxiety and fear. And it's a breathing practice, but it's also a movement practice. So I'm going to invite everybody to just get very comfortable and only move uh, with this in a way that is absolutely comfortable and safe for you. So we're just going to um, relax in whatever position is comfortable for you. And just take a nice deep breath, maybe expand your belly, your lower ribs, your upper chest. And then as you exhale, draw the upper ribs in, the lower ribs, kind of like you're getting punched in the solar plexus. So your ribs move as long as that doesn't hurt. And then belly to the spine like a sit-up. So you're engaging the core, which really helps deepen the breath, which de-stresses the body and the mind and the heart for that matter. So nice three-part breath, belly, lower ribs, upper chest. And then as you exhale, we're going to turn to the right and we're going to do three ha breaths. We're going to direct those ha, so don't do this now, I'm going to explain it first. So we're going to direct those 
hob breaths that are going to draw the diaphragm in, it's like snap the belly in to make them hob breaths. And we're going to direct them toward the past where our fear lives. And that breath is just going to separate us a little bit from the fear, from the past. And then when we come back to the center, we're going to be present. And then we're going to inhale in this moment of presence with hearing and seeing and, and just meeting ourselves exactly where we are being present. And then we're going to turn to the left and we're going to blow. So a nice belly assisted blowing breath toward the future where our fear, our, our anxiety resides. So we're worried about, you know, so many things that I know. And so we're going to blow toward the future and our anxieties. They could be specific today, whatever anxiety is. Feel that we're separating ourselves a little bit, blowing it away a little bit, the future and our anxiety, and then coming back to the present moment, breathing in and breathing out. So let's just do one round, breathe in, and turn to the right and <sighs> directing that breath toward the past where the fear is, separating ourselves a little bit from it with that breath and coming back to center and then a breath into the presence of this moment, exactly how we are. And then turn a little bit to the left if that's safe for you and below. And we're blowing toward the future where our anxieties are. And if you have a specific anxiety, you can think of it and feel yourself like blowing it away a little bit and then come on back to the present moment. Inhale and exhale. There we go. So that's yoga. Nancy, thank you so much for that meditation. And the ability to leave the past behind where it stays and look toward the future, right? Because the past is gone. Well, and, yeah. And even separate yourself a little bit from the anxieties that reside in the future, you know, because that's kind of future oriented, the anxiety like, oh, am I going to, you know, get that call? Am I going to get that prescription? Am I going to feel good enough to do whatever? Am I going to be too fatigued? All of these anxieties reside in the future. And yes. so this practice allows you to just really center yourself in the present and to separate yourself with those breaths a little bit from the future and the past. Yeah. And anxiety. Because anxiety can impact our, our physical health. Right. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It is. And, go ahead. I was just going to say it's, it's, it's so liberating to let it go. Even if just for that moment. And I think that's what yoga gives us is that moment, that presence, that pause where we are encouraged and actually taught by this teacher, that teacher, that, you know, web, webinar or this you know online practice it's so accessible now um and uh so go ahead 
Oh, I was just going to say when you talk about as well with the with the anxieties or best uh, outcomes for meditation, I know there's for a lot of us there's a there's fatigue and there's being tired, mm-hmm. and I find that yoga often can help me overcome the fatigue if I'm getting some sleep and explain a little bit about the difference between fatigue and being tired and where some of the practices can come in to help us manage that. All right. The difference between fatigue and tiredness is when you have fatigue, you wake up and you're still tired, (laughs) you know, tiredness, you sleep and you feel better. It's really as simple as that. And I think that where yoga comes in here is an understanding, especially with spondylitis, how the disease itself is really causing the fatigue and not you. (laughs) And so the compassion of meeting yourself exactly where you are with, with compassion and acceptance allows us to kind of just settle in with the fact of fatigue as a part of this condition and then to relax into it and the relaxation uh, that can be enhanced by deep relaxation a practice that I'm, I'm gonna you'll have the link to my deep relaxation it's um uh, such a it's like the gold standard of really being able to calm the nervous system so deep relaxation and yoga movement which is considered in the spondylitis literature to be more beneficial than rest in terms of improving symptoms so gentle gentle movement in bed you know just while you're walking with the breath where or how can you incorporate uh, practices or is there something specific you recommend related to fatigue or clearing brain fog uh, for individuals suffering with right. spondyl arthritis? Right. I think the most important thing, uh, practice for people experiencing spondylitis and fatigue is a practice of compassion. And I'd like to just give you a little hint of how you might do that because self-compassion is much easier said than done. So I'd like everybody just to think of somebody or some group that can very easily inspire compassion in your heart. So just right now, think of somebody in your life or somebody out there in the world or some group. Um, Doesn't even have to be people. It can be animals, you know, and just whatever inspires compassion in your heart. And take a nice breath into that heart and just feel the breath kind of fanning the flame of that compassion, that very human experience. Inhale, feel that compassion, summon that vision in your mind of the people. And then as you exhale or the group, and as you exhale, direct your sense of relief and a wish for their peace to them. Inhale, feel the compassion. Exhale, direct an intention of relief or peace to those people, freedom from pain, to that group. 
And then take a moment. This time we're going to switch out the vision of that group or that person and put your own image in there. Inhale, feel the compassion. And this time may feel awkward, but direct that sense of desire for peace, for freedom from pain, for freedom from fatigue to yourself. Inhale, feel the compassion. Exhale, direct that intention for relief, for peace to yourself. So just give it a try every now and then because self-compassion just isn't easy. And um, it's where we try to start in yoga because once we kind of accept that things are not all honky-dory and just wish ourselves, understand that we ourselves are deserving of our own compassion and start there. Um, for fatigue, especially, uh, so often it's, it's, you're not going to be able to meditate potentially and then feel less fatigued. But you can meditate and feel more clear about where you are at this moment. The fact that fatigue is a result of the disease, not something you're not lazy, you're not like getting too much sleep, all those things. And you can just be a little bit more clear about that. And then you can choose, like if you want to do some meditation or do a little restorative yoga, which is a wonderful practice um, that you can check into. And, um, and, uh, and then have that freedom and that power to address the fatigue in that way, accepting it, being compassionate for yourself and kind of relaxing around it, which even relaxing around that fact of fatigue can help reduce pain and symptoms a little bit. Yeah, it's like radical grace. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and there are a lot of days, I mean, we just went through a brain fog moment for both of us and it is, it's a real thing. Oh, yeah. uh, and we we all have to forgive ourselves that there's there's moments it's going to happen that we're not we're far from perfect i think we're all perfect in our own way uh even more so maybe with with spondylitis um uh, how often do you recommend people uh practice either meditation or yoga uh to get some ongoing benefits I find yoga as a the movement part of it, but mostly the the acceptance and the kind of hopefulness of its philosophy of you know non judgment, for instance, uh, to be something that I use throughout the day and throughout the night, and the nights I find to be you know challenging. You know, and I'm sure many people do. The difficulty with sleeping, especially with fatigue, it's so frustrating, you know, to be so tired and to have difficulty sleeping. Um, and I would like to share a little practice to help with when you can't sleep. Um, so I'm basically saying 24 <laughs> seven. That's what that's how often you can use yoga to benefit whenever you need it. It's there for you, you know. You can think in terms of a goal, like you want to um, get stronger, 
upper body strength or something like that and and set a goal and go to a yoga class or or get a teacher to watch a thing online and you'll get stronger doing it but um but i'd like to share this deep relaxation this express deep relaxation so we're going to squeeze the hands squeeze the arms only if it's comfortable like popeye muscles we're going to just make kind of gentle fists with your feet um and your legs draw the muscles in toward the bone your buttocks tighten it up belly chest and face squeeze inhale squeeze and exhale relax and move around in any way that's comfortable and then we're going to bring our focus to the toes we're going to relax the toes the legs the fingers the arms the space between the shoulder blades and the ribs we're going to relax the chest and especially the belly, where we hold most of our stress and the linings of the abdominal organs. So send the message there to relax. Relax the hips and the lower back. Relax any area of challenge, of discomfort. Relax the neck, the throat, the face, the head, the space between the eyebrows. Relax, eyes, nose, and mouth. Take a step back from your body and see the body at rest. Bring the focus to the breath and just watch that effortless breathing. I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. Bringing the focus back again and again, just to the breath. And then your mind, we bring the focus to the mind and step away from the mind a bit and allow everything just to pass by like clouds, like a stream in front of us. Allow those clouds to broaden the space between those clouds to broaden and deepen and drop into that space for a moment, going deeper and deeper into your own sense of wholeness and peace. Let it fill you and surround you. Just be there for a moment. Your deepest source of wholeness. God. And to come out of it, you just deepen the breath a little bit. Exhaling, letting go of all that does not serve you. Judgment, anxiety, stress, let it go. Making space for that next breath to bring fresh, vital energy. And then... Invite some movement back into the fingers and toes, arms and legs. Give yourself a nice stretch. So that's an express deep relaxation. The longer deep relaxation, I think they'll share a link with you of my deep relaxation on the Hospital for Special Surgery's website, which has something like 300,000 views. I think people must come back again and again to this, you know, deep relaxation. So, yeah, nighttime. If you can't sleep then instead of laying there worried and anxious and fearful, do this. Yeah. And at least the time that you're awake will be of benefit to your peace, your stress level. Yeah. And I like the idea of letting, just letting it all go. That was phenomenal. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm still a little in the yoga zone. Yeah. It's yoga nidra. <laughs> it's an ancient, it's called the yogic sleep. And we did it in like two minutes, but, you know, usually it lasts 15, 20 minutes. And um, so enjoy. And that practice you can do like 
every day, every night, you know. Right. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely use a few tricks in meditation to get my eyes to stay closed at night. Uh, and I think a lot of us do, right? I mean, we just, especially for spondylitis, have been one of the problems a lot of us encounter is that middle of the night, unable to stay, stay asleep and rest. Uh, so this has been amazing. What else would you say uh, in terms of resources or additional therapies that you recommend for people with spondylitis along with yoga? And meditation. There's, uh, there's so many, and um, it's if if you search around the internet, you'll find many, many. But oh, specifically, there are good um, free podcasts about meditation on Healthline.com. Uh, they have like the twenty best podcasts for meditation. Um, there's a couple I wrote down that I really like that I've used before, not the podcast so much as the people, you know, talking, leading the meditation. John Kabat-Zinn, free. It's all about like, it, you know, the whole mindfulness movement, basically. Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H. She's very easy to follow on social networking, but also her website just has tons of specific meditations like meditation for fear meditations to calm your emotions meditations for this and that and mm -hmm. they're excellent tara brock and they're free suzanne salzberg a very traditional meditation buddhist teacher and she also offers lots of you know free stuff the rubin museum here where i am in new york city um is a museum devoted to kind of like a eastern uh, art and practices and they share their meditation around a particular piece of art in their museum regularly like weekly um there's also meditation minis that and i'd like to share one more with you before we go and it's to put your hands on your knees whether you're reclining or standing uh so if you're reclining you you know you would slide your heels in a little bit to put your hands there slide the hands back to the hips and if possible bring the elbows and shoulders towards each other behind the back lift the heart keep the chin tucked inhale so this combines movement meditation and breath inhale and as you exhale slide the hands from the hips toward the knees and allow your upper body to come forward a little bit either flat or rounded whatever's comfortable for you so you're in a forward bend nice breath into the lower middle upper back and neck and then as you exhale, make a powerful exhalation, draw your ribs in, draw your belly in, long, slow exhalation, really calms down the nervous system. Inhale, lower, middle, upper back. And then exhale, slide the hands back to the hips. So you can just slide your hands from the, you know, the hips to the knees or the knees to the hips. If you're seated, it's real easy. And then just lengthen and lift your heart. And then as you're sliding your hands towards your knees, you come forward a little bit. So it's a, it's a meditation, breathing meditation um, that involves movement and really articulates the spine and brings length and potentially strength, but lots of stimulation into the spine. I have to say that is incredible. Well, you know, one of the things that just happened when I did it not that anyone mm. 
see is it seemed to be right, especially with spondylitis, one of the biggest things I think I talk to people about and I face a challenge is we hold so much in our lower backs mm -hmm. we're trying to protect them and we mm -hmm. then minimize our core, which mm -hmm. can help relieve some of the the discomfort in our lower backs and pain. But when you did that, the way it works is it almost creates a, a, a core engagement and lets your back go. I struggle like heck to get my core engagement. Absolutely. And what they found during COVID is forward bands free up the backs of the lungs. Um, it, it, you know, the gravity draws your tissues forward toward the ground and the backs of the lungs and therefore the ribs and the back opens up and it's easier to breathe. That's what they did with COVID yeah. patients. They called it proning. So they would turn people on their bellies so that the back was a little freer. So I think that you've hit on something there, um, Jill, with the lower back opening up. And also you have the support of your seat or the bed. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're standing, you would have less because you've got the weight um, bearing. But um, yeah, th and this is a thing you can do like when you're sitting at, you know, watching TV. Yeah. Another thing I would recommend is to circle the ankles because that, you know, draws the circulation. It stimulates the circulation and helps with fatigue a little bit. Although the, the picture of fatigue with spondylitis is, is complex. Yes. It's not like you can meditate and you're going to be less fatigued. It's not like you can sleep and you're going to be less fatigued because the brain is, you know, yeah. doing the spondylitis thing. And that's contributing to the fatigue in a way that, you know, no amount of mindfulness practice is going to affect. Yeah. Well, this, this that's is why compassion is so important. Yeah. And this has been incredible. And I, I love that you gave us three very quick and easy ways to get into the meditative state and release some of these things. Uh, overall, I mean, I have more hope than I did 30 minutes ago about the future. <laughs> and I hope other people do. Uh, but what do you see as like most hopeful that for spondylitis patients who are able to practice a little yoga, how do, how do you see that changing outcomes? Right. It is so profound how yoga, the heart of yoga, which is that acceptance, that compassion, that power to choose. Am I going to take a breath? Am I going to gently move? Am I going to support myself? Am I going to rest deeply? Am I going to do a walking meditation? And by the way, if you want to do a walking meditation outside, basically just think about your back heel with every step. That's your focus. So moving, forward, moving right along, um, I think that the benefit is in, this may sound you know trite, but it's in the peace that yoga allows you to experience inside yourself. It's, it's your ability to feel your own wholeness in a world that may make you feel like it's challenged parts, you know, all the different diagnoses, all the different treatments, all the different doctors and, you know, information and things that you have to do and things that you're worried about. It's the peace 
of yoga that I find and the power and the hope that I find most um, most uh, beneficial in terms of the future of spondylitis and yoga. I'm thrilled that SAA is, is doing this series, is connected to Sandra, that you have the support groups. It's just amazing what you're doing online and in person. And that gives me hope, you know, that the word is being spread. You have power. You are whole, you know? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today and for your ongoing commitment to the, the spondylitis community, because I know you give back and do a lot of work uh, with SAA and you're always willing and excited to talk with uh, with staff or talk at conferences and join us here. So I'm very grateful that you have shared your knowledge and uh, yeah, I, I wish you much peace. Peace to you. As we say in yoga, bowing to the inner teacher and the inner light in each of us. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> All right. That Thank was awesome. Paul. SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit, educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondyloarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.